You're listening to a podcast from 702. 702. Masterclass. It's 10 minutes past two. And in this hour, we bring you a masterclass on traveling the African continent. Uh, so if you are seeking an adventure, um, this is one way, you know, of directing your energy, your planning, your your, your brain power uh, into looking into this as an adventure. Yesterday when um, we talked to a few colleagues around the office or when they overheard that this is what we'd be talking about for today's masterclass, some people were completely against it. They were like, what? Drop everything and just go traveling for months on end. And so maybe there are two types of people, people who would do it, you know, who would leave the keyboard, who would leave the desk and fluorescent lights and air conditioned offices or, you know, our homes to go and uh, just explore and discover new places, discover new things um, uh, 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 in the most humblest of ways, you know, with the bare minimum. Um, and then there are those who just find this to be such an abhorrent idea. I wonder which side of the argument you stand on. Um, so let us know in the course of this conversation. So um, I must say that in the past couple of weeks, I've just been talking to a couple of people where the, the thread that runs through the different conversations is a sense of restlessness, a sense of uh, the realization that life is too short and you can no longer put aside, put away the things that you've been dying to do uh, because before you know it there'd be no time to do them so lots of people trying to organize themselves whether it is their will and their affairs or making sure they get around to having the experiences that uh, they want to have in this lifetime um, and so this kind of adventure this sort of odyssey uh, sits in that range so we'll take your calls throughout our conversation how to go about a trip that involves exploring um, the kind countries across this continent. So we cu- we kick things off by speaking to Wipelo Tladignani who is an overland solo traveler. Um, she has traveled 54 African countries. And in one of her jaunts, she literally left her job and uh, went traveling for several months. And then later on, we are going to speak to one of the co-founders of um, an organization that actually helps you uh, plan your trip, Treks for Africa. It started with the GPS and dotting different places using GPS and the organization was born since then. But um, they help you. They help you think or uh, prepare around all sorts of eventualities. And this is more a self-drive trip. So we've got two versions of this conversation. One where you drive yourself from Cape to Cairo. How do you go about it? And then the other one, where you literally use public transport from Cape to Cairo um, along with your adventure. We'll take your questions and your calls on 011-883-0702. Masterclass. Wipilot Ladignani joins us now, and she is an overland traveler, in fact, who has traveled 54 African countries. Uh, Wipilot, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Eva. Great to talk to you. When I threw forward to the fact that we would be speaking to you, this is what one of our listeners had to say. As a 54 African countries, wasn't she a spy? I think she was a spy, Tabo from Pretoria. <laughs> Does that make you laugh, people? <laughs> I actually did. You said, wasn't I what? A spy. He says, wasn't she a spy? Why on earth? <laughs> so, 
Actually, funny enough, I've met people when I was traveling that also asked the same question. Oh, really? That why are you doing this? Are you some kind of spy? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah especially like at the borders, the officials, they just sometimes talk like, no, um, what's going on? And then further is um, my number of countries increase and people would see my passport and just be like, no, like, what are you looking for? What are you moving <laughs> yes, like why? What? What is it? What is this thing? Yeah. So take us to when you made the decision. Do you remember the feeling that you had when you decided to set everything aside, quit your job, um, and and go for it? Yeah, actually, it just started with um, wanting to travel outside of South Africa, like wanting to see one other any African country. So my first country that I ever went to was Botswana. And then in Namibia, and then from there, I decided that um, I wanted to see more. So I planned a trip from South Africa to Egypt, which took me across eight countries. Mm. Um, yeah, on the, mostly on the East African side of the continent. Yes. So, yeah, when I, I was done with it, then that's when I realized that, okay, so I can do this. I'm going to go ahead and go to all the rest of the countries that we have in this continent, which is 55, by the way. So I've only been to 54. 54, yes. Yeah. So the first one, you took leave, you came back to your life. With the second one that saw you uh, going across even more countries, you were a newlywed. And two months into your, your marriage, you said, okay, <laughs> I'm leaving, I'm going now. Uh, and yeah. you dropped your job completely. Yes, what yes. was that restlessness? So, Do you remember, can you describe how you were feeling? <laughs> Yeah. So actually, uh, so after the 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 one where I did eight countries was in twenty sixteen. Mm. Um. Then I realized that I had an idea now of how much a trip like this could cost me and what was what I needed. And I knew then as well that uh, for me to do it in an affordable manner, I would have to go from one country to another without coming back to South Africa. And um, it was going to take a longer time this time around. So I knew that it's where I was currently working. There's no way they were going to give me that time off. Mm. So then the plan was, okay, when you eventually get around to doing this thing, you need to quit your job. Then I started training for it as well financially. And the year that um, the year that I was supposed to go, so 2017 was like the year that I wanted to do it. But also financially, I was not um, ready yet. And then we decided to go ahead with the wedding and then let me go afterwards. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah. So that's how it came about. And but how much did it I cost? Married, not knowing that I was going to go on this trip. Oh. I already knew way before I got married that this is a trip I was going to go into. So, yeah. Yes. Uh, so how much did it cost? Do you have a sense of in the end, at the end um, of it, how much you left with I, and how much I it mean, ended up costing? Okay, I'm not quite sure yet. I'm still working on it. It's been taking a while for me to like put up, put together all these other things where I wrote down, mm. um, explain detail and things. But I would say, so excluding the, the, the first trip, just this other one where I was doing more countries, probably around 150,000 rand. Mm-hmm. Jeez. Which, which, um, okay, so let's use the, the eight, countries for example there I spent something like thirty seven thousand rand to go to go across eight countries and spend at least a week in each one of them. So yeah, it's 
for me, it looks reasonable considering that 37,000 rents can be a cost of like a seven-day international trip to some ways. Sure. So even the 150,000, if you look at like uh, the number of countries that I covered, mm. it's very reasonable. Yes. Wow. And yeah. you did this using public transport. <laughs> yeah. We'll be speaking to Johan later on who helps people plan their self-drive trips. You went uh, mm-hmm. the public transport route. Why? Mm-hmm. Okay. It was cheaper firstly to use public transport. That was amazing. So I wanted to use land travel um, because I wanted... I don't want to have to just arrive in... in, in one country after the other. I wanted the experience of connecting the dots. Like, so this is how it looks and feels like when you exit, um, for example, maybe uh, Tanzania to go into Kenya and like how the landscape changes. And mm-hmm. also it gave me um, time to take in everything as I'm moving across from one country to another. And then public transport, Public transport was basically because it was um, less expensive than if I wanted to use my own car, for example, or something like that. But also then it allowed me more chances of interacting with local people. Right, in the transport. Mm. Yeah, like more of what really goes down than when you kind of experience it from yeah the comfort of your own vehicle. Yes. Yeah. And what's been your most joyous moment uh, as you were adventuring? A lot. Uh, okay. It's a bit difficult to sing aloud one. Uh-huh. No, tell me about them. Share more than one. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just, just how warm the people were, how welcoming people are. And the safety. Okay. I think maybe let's put safety at the top. Like, I live in Southern Province. Um, and we all know how we go about our everyday life, just kind of knowing that you have to look over your shoulder so much so that we even kind of used to our way of moving around our world. Yeah. And then it was just um, an, a welcome relief to be in a place, in places for that matter, in places that um, safety was not a was not a thing like. Yeah, and I always sometimes caught myself um, operating from a point of I need to look after my things, I need to... And then at the end, you realize that, no, you're panicking for nothing. And mm. like, literally the one issue there, yeah, people are just relaxed and they couldn't care less. Yes, they you're coming with your Jobert yeah, mentality your, here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's just yeah. amazing, especially um, when you, as you say, when you think of... Uh, the kind of terror that we live uh, with here yeah. in South Africa. It must have been, as you say, a relief and coming back must have been also a moment of changing, switching your mind back. Um, yeah. And food-wise and where you, you slept, is it about where you just found uh, availability? Yes, so I, most of the time I didn't have anything pre-planned for where I was going to stay. But then also while I was traveling, I found out about um, an app called Couchsurfing where you can meet people that live in countries that you'd be going to and they can host you. Yes. So I used that in other countries. And then most of the time it was just 
um, when I get to the destination, then I would ask around for like the cheapest accommodation they could, they like people who, who I would be around me of. Um, yeah, and then food, food. The food experience was lovely as well. Wait, before I we talk about food, how... wait, before we talk about food, what kinds of accommodations then did you end up finding? So what kind of places, did, were they hotels? What did you end up? Motels uh, uh, mostly mm. and people's homes. So, so for example, let's say we would get to a place and as I get off the bus or whatever, then I would start asking people. And then in, in like here's times when there would be somebody that just was like, oh, so you don't know anybody here? You don't know where you're going to sleep? You have nothing? No, we below, hold on. Out. You say you just walk up to random strangers and ask them, where can I stay for the night? I'm looking for a place to stay. I'm looking for a place yeah, okay. to stay for tonight. Yeah, yes. But, but, <laughs> yes, I did that. But then again, they were not really strangers considering the fact that most of the time I would have traveled with them from maybe the previous destination. So like, an hour to two or more in uh, in the same transport, mm. and people talk amongst um, each other. So it would be people we are kind of already have some familiarity with each other. But I usually only left uh, the part of I don't know what I'm sleeping to once we get there. Mm-hmm. Then, yeah, <laughs> that didn't come across as too weird. <laughs> yeah, so I just and people. I think also there's a lot of uh, movement around uh, different countries once you go outside of South Africa. I don't know if, like, I'm making sense. Especially, like, in West Africa, you see people move across borders a lot. Mm. So I think also in other places, people are just used to the fact that people are not from around here, but then mostly it's for trade and things like that. But, yeah, so... Only my language kind of sold me out as not knowing what I'm doing here. But then there would be other people who were looking for accommodation. And people took me and showed me places that I could sleep in. I I slept in places that cost like 100 rands. For me, it used to just be about having a roof under my head. Not so much of what's inside where I'm going to sleep. As long as I'm going to be covered should it rain, I'll be underneath something. Yes. Then I'm okay. Wow. And let's talk about food now and what you kind of did during the day. I ate a lot of fish, especially when I was doing the, oh, my sense of direction. So more the central west to the north of Africa. Yeah. And I enjoyed that a lot. I had a lot of plantain, a lot of cassava. But then more, more special about all this was fresh food. So in most of the countries, people don't um, have fridges in their homes. So every single day, the family gets up, decide what we need to eat today, and we go out to the market and buy fresh produce, oh. get back, cook this, eat it, and finish it. Yes. <laughs> and then we can see again tomorrow what, what we're eating. So that's what I enjoyed the most about the food. The and freshness and, of the, course, minimal yeah. wastage. Yes, yes. And also just how with fish, like it was so cheap to just eat anything seafood for that matter, mm. you know. Yeah, and food, tropical food, food that I didn't know. Um, yeah. yeah, like the food experience is just wonderful. Sometimes I miss 
like things that I've eaten and I feel like I could just if it only was that easy and that <laughs> just travel somewhere for that one plate of food that's <laughs> in my mind at that point. Yes. I think it's great yeah. because then you got to eat how the local people ate. You know, you didn't uh-huh. eat uh-huh. restaurants or what is the the, the picture perfect sort of uh, perception of the place or picture that's been painted yeah. of the place, but rather how the people from that country uh, uh, how how they eat, how they mm-hmm. cook their fish, how they uh, uh, shop, as as you've just said. I just love that insight. Yeah. yeah, and also they open up to you more when they see that you are welcoming as well to to their way of doing mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just it makes things easier, and people and you learn you get to learn more when people open up to you. Right. Um, so yeah. you had a strategy. Your strategy was seven days in every every country uh, yeah. as you moved through it. Uh, that was an, an interesting approach. So is this a lesson you learned from? Take me through a little bit more of that approach. And was it a lesson you learned from the previous uh, uh, trips you had taken? Yes. So I learned that from... So when I, I did that with my, my first trip where it was eight countries, mm. it was just a random strategy. And then it worked, and I decided to use that for the entire continent. Mm. Um, part of it was that I had realized that if I'm going to be in one country for about seven days, at least I also get to, like, so I get to spend, um, yeah, so I'll spend like 2.7, I wanted to be reasonable, I'll spend like 2.7 to 3,000 per week in a country. And it was based more on the budget when I first did it, but then I used that same budget to figure out how much I would need yeah. to continue doing this thing. Yeah, that was really the only reason, and I guess given the time constraint, if I could, I would have spent more days there, but then budget and mm-hmm. everything else did not allow. Mm. How has it changed you, Bipilo? As I was saying, the people who find this idea to be, oh, hell no, you know, that's the reaction. Um, and then there are those that are just thinking this is actually what I need or I would do this in a flash. How has it changed you? Um, for me, like I, so I've always believed that anything that you want to do, really to put your mind to it, you can achieve it. So this has reinforced that for me. But then also it got, it made me realize like the essentials of what we need to, to live happy life. Mm-hmm. If you, if I'm to put it there, like considering the fact that in most of this time, one of my trips took about six months where I was just traveling with one backpack. Um, so that's as minimal as life can be. And I just survived mm-hmm. just fine. I did not need for anything and then you just get to realize that okay yeah most of those other things that you have in life and that you want in life are just nice to have they're not the essential things to happiness is when we pursuing them we tend to think Mm. this is the ultimate goal to a fulfilled life or yeah how Mm. you want to yeah how we put it Yes, let's take a listen to uh, voice notes that have come in during our conversations uh, before we say goodbye Hi Aza, if you haven't lined up this question for your guest, please ask it for me. Did she ever have any experiences with crying? I heard her talking about just asking random strangers about where to stay or what to eat. Did she ever get any 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 sort of like tzotzis like you do when you land at OR? 
Hi, Aza. Did Mugel not get sick during this travel? I'm just interested in that. Squanele. Bye. Hello, Aza. So I have friends that um, decided they are going to live on the sea. So they are going to travel the world. That's what they're going to do. So they they built a boat. They sold all their assets. And they are going to go. They're just waiting for this lockdown levels to be lifted for them to leave. Husband resigned. Work. Already they're ready to go. They built their boat and everything. So me, I won't do it. I don't understand it. I will never do such a thing. But hey, there are people out there who does, Sam. I was saying hallelujah to that. You know, just quit your job, go and go off and do something. People, I've got to take headlines, but a quick answer um, to some of the questions. Um, you did answer the question about how safe you were, but okay. did you witness crime? And what about getting ill? Okay. So, like, the worst I saw in terms of crime was my cell phone being grabbed and I got it back in less than 15 minutes. Was there a vimba? Catch that guy. Yes, yes. I was chasing them, screaming help, and wondering if people knew what help was. They were across, like just across uh, the street, and they managed to uh, get the guys and get okay. my cell phone. That's the worst. And then, and then falling yeah. sick. Falling sick, I did. So I was eating. Um, a lot of street food and all that mm-hmm. and moving through countries at such a guess fast pace my system sometimes reacted to mm-hmm. yeah negatively so I had like food poisoning as a result of that in when I arrived in Nigeria in Lagos and that was the only and then from there so I kept on getting um um, food poisoning after that, but now I knew after the first incident that landed me in hospital how to handle it. What eat chili? How to? I didn't get that. What did you What did you do? In order to In order to handle it, what did you learn about handling? Oh, okay. So I would um, every time I felt it creeping up on me, then that day I would choose not to eat anything and just eat like maybe um, cereal and or bread and water only. Okay. Or just Something yeah, really plain. Milk, mm. Yeah, or plain noodles, nothing, yeah. Spicy or adventurous. Yeah. Wipilo, it's been yeah. wonderful chatting to you. Thank you so much for the inspiration. <laughs> <laughs> Thank, Thank you. Thank you, Aza. Thanks for having me. That's Wipilo Tladinyane, the first part of our masterclass. That's how she went about it. And after the headlines with Gladys, we'll tell you about other ways of going about it and how you can plan your own adventure of a lifetime. 702 Masterclass Right, so just reflecting at some of the messages you've sent to us um, and Pasima Bandu says, oh, you do remember that Sikhe Kumalo built a writing career from travelling the continent on public transport. And he's right, I think uh, he even published a number of books under his, uh, the title, uh, around the titles of Heart of Africa. Uh, so on public transport, much like what Bipuilo has done. Uh, but uh, I think a female perspective is also fascinating um, and is good to, to know and uh, because women... 
especially black women as travelers are this category that also needs to be uh, uh, catered for. Um, one of the WhatsApps that has come in says, at the end of 1999, my then husband and I drove to Germany along the east coast of Africa, Zimbabwe, Tanzania, Kenya, uh, Ethiopia, Sudan, Egypt. Then we cut across to Jordan, uh, Syria, Turkey, Greece, Italy, and up. Uh, so Mike had done the journey a few times. He had um, a particular truck, a German army truck, and we were absolutely safe throughout. The first spot of bother we had was in Turkey, but that situation was diffused. The journey was absolutely incredible. We did it in six months, which was far too short, and we arrived in Germany in July of uh, the year 2000. So she says, every time I see the N1 North past Pretoria, I think to myself, that if I just carried on driving, I would finally get to Cairo. And that um, much is true. Simply pass Pretoria and head north and don't stop until you see the pyramids. Um, at the time, we met many, many couples with their children traveling. They were homeschooling their children. I decorated our trucks like... Um, the Royal Carriage on uh, the Royal Express, um, talking about wood paneling and silk finishes uh, which, with splashes of burgundy, over 50 herbs and spices, a 120-liter deep freezer, and huge stock of groceries. We lived extremely well. I expected to find more uh, fresh fruits and vegetables available, but that wasn't always the case in uh, many of the, in some of the places. Um, and so it's a lovely description that you've given. Thank you so much, Megan. And I'll come back to the other messages. But listening into this is Johan Grunewald, who's the co-founder of Tracks for Africa. Um, touching on some of what Megan is sharing there. Johan, thank you for joining us. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, and uh, thank you for having me. Uh, and this started humbly, well, Tracks for Africa started with different travelers kind of sharing GPS locations. And you were able to then create this map that uh, 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 travelers can buy to be able to make their way with a lot of ease. Oh, sorry. No. Uh, with a lot of ease across the continent. And now here you are as Tracks for Africa. Yes, you're certainly right. Um, about 20 years ago, we we started using GPSs. Um, that was the first time it was becoming available recreationally. Mm. Before that, you had to be in the Army or something like that, working for the U.S. Army to, to have access to that kind of stuff, or a pilot. Um, but there were no maps. These, these things came and they told you where you are, but they didn't have context, so you didn't have any roads on them. Um, so a bunch of travelers started getting together on a on an internet forum, I guess, back in 2000, and we started sharing GPS data. And uh, one thing led to another. A couple of years later, we built the first map that you can load onto these things. And, um, yeah, we've, we've just tried to grow from there. And um, I think the essence of it is to get feedback from travelers the whole time and, 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 and to, mm. to update your maps accordingly because road conditions change, places open, places close, um, a flood comes along, a wash away, a bridge, so a major uh, causeway is, is, is gone. So there's, there's always change and there's always something to, to update on, on the maps. Yes. Mm. 
And so would you advise or the, the, the tips and the services that you provide have to do with a self-drive across the continent? What led me to you was a blog that was written by one of your contributors, uh, contributors uh, uh, Romy, and talking about the two routes that you can take when we talk about Cape to Cairo, that there are two routes that uh, can be can be taken, uh, that they can be divided into two parts, rather that the long road to the north can be divided into two. Uh, just give me a brief description there, because yes, that does exclude a number of other countries, but this is also uh, um, one uh, that is just synonymous with this kind of adventure when we talk uh, traveling the continent, going from Cape to Cairo is absolutely synonymous. Yeah. So, so I think the first thing that people need to understand is if, if you travel like Popolo does, um, using public transport and, and moving from one country to the other through land borders, um, the only paperwork you need is your passport and your visa. Um, and, and that makes it infinitely more um, uh, accessible for, for someone to cross a border. Mm. As soon as you add a vehicle to the mix, then you need to look at all sorts of other regulations. And, and many countries have have some weird and wonderful regulations pertaining to bringing a vehicle into their country, a foreign registered vehicle. So um, I think to a large extent, these two routes are, are sometimes dictated by how easy it is to get a vehicle through that country. So to give you an, an example, Egypt is is a very difficult country to take a vehicle into. And, and, and for some time, it was almost impossible. Um, but but you need something they call it a carnet de passage, which which is basically a passport for your car. Mm-hmm. Um, and to be able to obtain this thing, you you have to take out insurance and you have to put down money, um, and and it basically ensures that you will take that vehicle out of that country again. So it's not a permanent importation of a vehicle. You will you will bring it in temporarily and you'll take it out. Mm-hmm. If you don't, then the, the insurance will pay out and, and, and there's all sorts of taxes and stuff. Now, Egypt says that you have to pay something like 12 or more times the value of your vehicle to, to obtain a, a car and wow. And that is just impossible for, for most people. So yes. I, I think a lot of the people that, that we meet who travel um, through uh, the whole continent, they... They stop short of Egypt these days. And, and I think Megan was the, the person who sent you a message. She described their route crossing into Jordan. That is very popular because um, you can you can go through a country like uh, Eritrea and, and, and just cross uh, in, in, into the, basically the Emirates. Mm. Um, so the East African route... I kind of say stop short of, of Egypt these days, yeah. um, and then there's the West African route, uh, which is which is quite doable. Um, it's a longer route, and, and, and there's a lot more uh, countries you have to cross through. So there's obviously a lot more bureaucracy you have to deal with, and, and there's costs associated with that. But it's certainly possible to drive um, all the way through, to, and you end up in Morocco, and, and from there people generally cross uh, yes. to Europe. So do you do you then cut through the the western part of the Sahara, or do you pretty much stick across, along the coastline? People stick to the coastline. When, when they get to, to the uh, European, to western Sahara, the, the disputed country um, with, <laughs> with Morocco, that's, that's essentially they stick to the, to the coastline. Um, and I've even watched recent YouTube videos of, of people who go and kite surf in the southern parts of Morocco, and, and they... They still refer to, you know, you're not supposed to talk about Western Sahara. It's, it's, it's frowned upon if you on, on the Moroccan side. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, but, but it's certainly possible to get through. 
Yeah. What are some of the most difficult, or which is the most difficult border, or maybe just a quick list of three of the most difficult borders to get through, apart from <laughs> Egypt? Um, I'm going to say to you, I, I haven't been all the way to Egypt um, up through, but but I've I've heard from many travellers that some of those West African borders can be excruciatingly difficult to get through. And okay. um, um, there's there's another traveller that spoke to me and said, you know, he wanted to travel up through the DRC. Um, and whenever he gets to a, a, a police check or a border where they want to, uh, you know, basically have a bribe from him to, to pass through, he, he would go and sit next to his vehicle and take his book out and just read his book until they get fed up with him and then they <laughs> let him pass through. So yeah. I, I, I think in Africa, um, you know, there's, if, if you travel with patience, then you will basically get through everything. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's when we come with a Western mentality of you know time is money we got to get through this thing and we have to be there at this time um, that just doesn't go down um, at, at a border and and you have to remember that the border official works a shift he doesn't care how how much in, in a hurry you are he, he mm-hmm. shift ends at a certain time and he, he will be there until that time so um, you know we've we've learned over the years you know when we walk into a a border post, you, you take your hat off, you take your sunglasses off, um, you put on a big smile and you comply. And, and you know, 99% of the time you will be fine. They will, they will mm-hmm. not be a problem. Obviously, you have to have all your documentation with you. That's, that goes without saying. Absolutely. What about communication whilst you're traveling? What tips do you have for us there, Johan? In the old days, people used to say, oh, you have to take a satellite phone with you. But um, we are very lucky in Africa that we've leapfrogged the entire landline system. So um, mobile phone penetration in Africa is is pretty much everywhere. Where you see a village, you'll, you'll have reception. Um, it, you can't rely on it for great um, internet access, but you, you'll be able to get a WhatsApp through. So we advise everyone, as soon as you cross into a country, go to the first market you see and ask them where you can buy a local SIM card, pop it into your phone, and off you go. Um, that, that is by far the cheapest way to, to communicate. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I personally travel with a, a phone with a dual SIM, so I keep my, my local South African SIM, I keep in there, so I can still receive the SMS or a call if someone really needs to get hold of me, but I put the the country, the local country in which I'm traveling, I put there some in and buy data for that, and then I, I've got access to internet and, and WhatsApp. Right. Um, and going off-road, because there are some beautiful stops that one can make uh, along the, the, the different routes. You even have uh, uh, destinations, top African destinations, place like Chembe, which is along Lake Malawi, uh, just stunning destinations that are probably a must-do for, for any traveler and why anyone would set off uh, on a trip like this to get to uh, uh, sacred places uh, like uh, Lalibela, for instance. So that might mean, you know, meandering and and planning your trip every time you get to uh, uh, that new country. Uh, how do you suggest we 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 carry out this going off the main track part of the trip? Yeah. So there's, uh, I always say, the more the merrier. So the, mm. the more information you can gather, the better. Um, you know, you start off with inspiration. So somewhere someone told you, like you said, you, you read a blog, and in that blog a few names were mentioned, and maybe you see a beautiful picture, and, you know, it goes onto your bucket list. 
Um, that's generally how we start planning trips. And then you start you know, doing your homework, getting to the detail. Um, how, how do you actually get to that place? And, and is, is there any you know, particular uh, things I need to take into account? Is it a very rough four-wheel track that I need to drive? How much time do I need to, to, to drive through there? And that's where, where maps come in. Um, and, and, and when you talk about maps, I mean, I, I own a mapping company, so I would obviously want to say use our maps. But I'm the first one to tell you, Use our map, use the second guy's map, and, and then you still ask people that's coming from the front. You know, if if you meet a traveler who's just been mm-hmm. to the destination they're getting to, that is the best information that you can get. So you, you always update and, and sort of qualify the information that you've got. Um, yeah, and I think as human beings, we're lucky, we're social creatures, we, we share information quite easily. Um, that's why I like to go to these, you know, if, if you get into a bigger country, um, for instance, in, in, in Nairobi, you find uh, one of those big overlanding campsites and people come there from all over. And if you just spend a few days there, you meet people that's come from the north, people that's come from the south, and you can, you can really get up-to-date information about what are the road conditions, um, yeah. you know, where, where would they find special places that's not not on the main tourist scene. Um, And I mean, for for a lot of people traveling Africa, I think the allure is that you can still go to remote places where, um, yes, it's not developed, but maybe that is is exactly why you want to travel. You, You want to experience something different from where you come from. Absolutely. Johan, stay with us. We need to take a break and then we'll wrap our conversation straight after this. What would you like to know? Uh, perhaps you're starting to get ideas or you've been planning a trip such as this. Uh, Johan Grunewald, who's the co-founder of Tracks for Africa, has been chatting to us after our conversation with uh, Buipilot Ladinian. 702 Masterclass. And we're back with Johan. Let's go to our calls now. You're welcome to call us in the time remaining on 011-883-0702 if you have any questions for him. Joe, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Thanks for taking my call. What is the, the the trip like from South Africa to Lake Malawi? I've been contemplating for years to do this. Ah, oh, beautiful. Jo- Johan? From South Africa to Lake Malawi? Yes. Well, you drive from South Kings, um, it's, I think it's a wonderful trip. Um, you know, get yourself through to Zambia. Uh, from Zambia, you can cross uh, into Malawi. Um, I would say... At, at this stage, a very easy route would probably be to go north through Botswana, then into Zambia, and then into um, into Malawi. It's a tar road all the way. It's it's fairly good roads. Um, you can probably do it with a normal car, um, mm. and and there's services all along the way. Yeah. Mm. All right. You w- you wouldn't you wouldn't go through Tet. Yes, that's also a popular route. Um, I don't live in Gauteng, so I, I don't drive those kind of routes quite often, but I know a lot of people go through tech, yes. All right. Joe? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your call. Uh, that's Joe there from Motor Frontine. Right. So, Johan, we'll just direct uh, our listeners to uh, your blog, Tracks, Tracks rather for Africa. Thank you so much. Oh, I wonder if we still have your hand, but yeah, we're at the end of our conversation. So it's tracks four. That's the number four for africa.co.za. You can just get lost in there. I mean, for me, it's about all the top 
uh, African destinations that you must have on your bucket list, places like the Serengeti, for instance, um, and you can go to a whole host of them, salt lakes and even um, the, the volcano um, up there in Ethiopia. So it's just so exciting to contemplate going off on this massive adventure. Lots of you still reacting to Bibelo, for instance, one person says, no, man, Aza, this lady is crazy brave. <laughs> it's very inspiring, but there is no way I can do such a thing. Props to her passion, Mara. For me, never. Fascinating. That comes from Lance in Berlin. Um, and also others... Um, uh, Megan, for instance, continuing her share of the trip that she took, uh, talking about Sudan while they were, once they got there and what happened in Egypt. That's the only time she got sick. It was super cold. Um, and so if you brace yourself, you're open to an adventure. This is something for uh, just an experience of a lifetime.